0: There's something about understanding biodynamics or regenerative farming that is not just about being a farmer or living in the city. It's, it, 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 it's your entire existence. And so when I heard, when I was there with you and Hamish Mackay, um, I wasn't just coming from the city and sitting, you know, sitting in the country. I was literally felt like, I mean, I was engaging with my entire reason to be.
1: That was Nico Ploughman and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally and their continuing connection to culture, community, land, sea and sky. And we pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott and in this podcast series I'll be uncovering the world of regenerative agriculture, its people, practices and principles and empowering you to apply their learnings and experience to your business and life. I'm an eighth-generational Australian farmer who transitioned my family farm from industrial methods to holistic regenerative practices. Join me as I dive deep into the regenerative journeys of other farmers, chefs, health practitioners and anyone else who's up for yarn and find out why and how they transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to the regenerative journey with Charlie Arnott. G'day, my next guest uh, is Nico Plowman, a cousin of mine, a meditator, a lovely guy. We had such a um, such a wonderful conversation. Um, we talked about biodynamics, the connection between it and meditation and soil of all things, um, the, the the power of meditation and and. Uh, Uh, And and I guess it's simplicity and also the parallels between meditation and that practice and the practice of regenerative farming in the landscape of our minds. So um, I hope that's enough to get you excited. Um, This was a a cracking good uh, interview that Nico and I have been lining up for some time, so I was really thrilled to actually get to sit with him and, and talk and lots of cool ideas. Uh, we're brewing in the interview and have have brewed since so um, expect uh, a lot more stuff from Nico Plowman enjoy the interview Nico Plowman is my next guest I'm sitting next to Nico
0: and um, mate welcome welcome to the show welcome to Thanks, this room mm. that we're borrowing isn't it nice in Paddington in Sydney can you tell us can you tell us where we are while we're here we are you know, we're in, a, we're in a meditation centre where I learned to meditate. Maybe you learned to meditate here. Did you learn to meditate? I med- have been here but not, not no, I didn't okay. learn here, no. Okay. I learned to meditate here nearly 10 years ago um, with a guy called Tim Brown who is a, probably the most experienced meditation teacher in Sydney, Vedic meditation teacher. So it's somewhere that I know well and it's nice to be talking to you here today given the connection that we've <laughs> that we've made again Charlie in the next year or two in the last, the last year, or year or two I oh, know
1: it's been ace hey. so I'm not mm. sure how much I have said well, I would have said in the intro for this interview but to give you a little bit of context was um, Nico and I are cousins and um, uh, we went to school together a little prep school for some years and then different schools went mm. away it was actually a few decades went by and we sort of used to see each other occasionally at parties and in the street um and or queuing up outside nightclubs and then um and then we reconnected a couple of years ago a few sort of more frequent run-ins and then yeah we just really connected and there was some so many common common themes and 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 ideas and, and intentions for for ourselves and the world really wasn't yep. it
0: yeah was that how you explain i think it? that's a good summary we um Well, I just think the coming together of where you, you know, your journey to where you are through regenerative ag and then, you know, some of the things that I – well, it started when I came down to a course that you were running with Hamish Mackay. That's right. Around biodynamic farming. And at the same time I ran a meditation course down at – Borua? – with some of the local community. And it became clear to both of us and also to the people who – were regenerative farmers um and we're also learning to meditate that we could see crossover in terms of you know the biome and the biodiversity of soil and the structures that exist inside that and then as that sort of expands into you know the canopy of life and so you come at things from a conscious perspective and a um And then a sort of regenerative approach to how we live our lives, and it's just they were just these layers, weren't there? That Mm. we sort of went, oh well, we should keep talking about this, (laughs) (laughs) and we did,
1: we did, we did, and um, we sort of lots of lots of you know scheming and conniving and sort of and thinking, and you know, I think the stage is is set for some of those things to sort of um, to happen now. Mm. Not that they weren't before, but I Mm -hmm. guess you know, um, you've had. Lots going on in your life, um, and and you know there was COVID, and there's all sorts of things that we could we could uh, lean on as excuses. Yep. But we're, we're talking about it now, Nico. So we're putting it out like seven billion people are going to be listening to this mm-hmm. within, within a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have no no we can't hide anymore. <laughs> it's going viral. <laughs> it is (laughs) as we speak i'm watching the camera go on go up a lips (laughs) in it's just going um so let's get to obviously regenerative journey you um uh you know I, i guess i've been following your your journey for many years um from afar and i'm keen to sort of dive into um into it you know from do you want to give us a bit of a context for your early days your connection with with farming
0: um, let's just start there okay i was born in sydney not far from here jersey road so maybe 300 meters away um when i was young we moved to a property um down in the southern highlands which was really hobby farming um and i went to a school down there with you um so i was boarding at a young age and my father and mother had left the city to sort of start afresh in some way. so farming was I would say that's a light word for it, um, but at the same time, there was cows and this and that and bikes and, you know, rifles and all the things that young boys um, can have, whether they're on, you know, 500 acres or 5,000 acres. And a lot of the people that were at our school were, you know, I would call from sort of proper farming stock. So my holidays were often spent particularly down around, you know, your neck of the woods, sort mm. of um, down at Adelong, Wagga, Yes, Young. Um So there was all that, and yeah, that was it. It was whether we were at school or at holidays. I found myself spending a lot of time sort of on tractors and horses and all that sort of things. That was pretty much, probably pretty much it until I was sixteen. And by that stage, I was boarding in the city, and so weekends became weekends and holidays were more about sort of the city life. Um, But I think if I was to move this along in terms of what regeneration looks like, and it's interesting that we're talking about it today because I've been. Reflecting on a bit of that, but I think um, if I could fast forward to sort of almost a 20-year cycle from being 17 or 18 to being 37 or 38, which was really 20 years from that moment where I think um, I took my foot off the accelerator in terms of my potential, and then I learned to meditate 20 years later with Tim Brown just here in this building, and that was almost 10 years ago. And for me, it's almost as if those those two bookends are – and whilst there's a lot of wonderful things that happened in between, it feels like that was a period where I was essentially lost. And I can look on that now, and at the time it was still a big life, but it was the life of – um it was a fast life and there were beautiful i've got my beautiful teenage daughters as part of that that was towards the end of that cycle and of course you know great marriage and living in you know having a very good life but to me there was this 20 year window where i needed to maybe run a, you know run research or experiments in a part of my life that wasn't as good as it could be in terms of health happiness, the things that we might do consciously, if I could use that word, and we'll come back to the word consciousness. And so in terms of regeneration, if we could come back to that theme, the last 10 years has been regenerative in a whole range of areas. And the the kickoff point for that was that I learnt Vedic meditation. Um, and so since then, there's been a lot of change and a lot of regeneration of things that weren't necessarily new but were actually just about finding those little those little um, those seeds of our potentiality if you'd like to call it that was sort of always there and I just needed to be um, yeah I was going about the, uh, the farming of that in the wrong way in some ways That's a great analogy and that
1: does actually come up we'll, we'll get we'll dig deeper into that um, but that is one I had a chat with um, uh, Tommy Herschel the other day. And on an interview, and he 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 referenced a similar thing. He's saying, you know, he used um, he used alcohol as mm. as almost like a farmer uses chemical on weeds oh. to sort of douse oh. the weeds. And so he was using alcohol to douse the you know, the I guess the symptoms of, of other things. Yep. And which I thought was was a really good way to put it, and obviously drew in his sort of his his amazing story into the the world of farming um, as well. But before we get to meditation. Nico, I, I just want to, without going into all the detail, what, what what were some of the, I guess what were some of the gaps that you now are looking back on in, in in that twenty years and go, wow, that was, you know, I guess not so much what weren't you doing, but what were some of the, what were the some well at least let's just start with some of the learnings of that twenty years. Mm. You know, what what yep. were some of the things that you can reflect on now and go, you know, maybe I'm glad it happened, but shit, that was tough, you
0: know, or and I learned something from that. Well. In actual fact, all of it was great because of the. We all like, you know, it was good because it made me know what I don't wish to go back to. It also allows me to have conversations with people, whether um, particularly given what I now do, where I can say, "Hey, I've been there. I have done. I have drunk alcohol, plenty of it. I have." done recreational drugs i have you know been through a whole range of things which were just reflections of a less conscious way to live so for me all of that story and that those challenges mean that now i can have conversations with people and reflect on my own experiences in order to create a relationship with them and then relate and then have conversations whereby it's as if i'm not sort of saying oh well i think i know what you're talking about but actually i really know what you're talking about and you know and refer to very particular circumstances so it's taken a while for me to own or at least um, be comfortable with a lot of that but um, now i can see the the value in it as it relates to what i do um i think if i had Learned to meditate when I was 18 and become a meditation teacher when I was twenty, it would be an entirely different conversation. I would have an entirely different group of people that I spend time with because there wouldn't be that ability to sort of reflect on things and sometimes have a bit of a laugh about things. Mm. You know, we need to sometimes be a bit um, a bit lighthearted about where we've been. Um but Charlie I've um, if I could sort of if I was going to write the sort of first line of a book, it would be 10 years ago I was standing on the Flemington racetrack um, at the Melbourne Cup in a suit, probably high. and um, I thought you were going to say nude. <laughs> probably nude. When I say high, having drunk something, whatever it might have been, and that was almost, I think, a low point because I was miserable. I didn't want to be on that racetrack. Um, I was working... I'd built a company in the technology space that was doing things in australian sports and wagering and i just never i don't think i enjoyed one day of it i was probably into the cut and thrust of it and i could raise money and do all these sorts of things i was pretty good at a lot of it um but the actual was there any purpose to it absolutely no you know there wasn't and i that's almost the snapshot so now, where I'm having a conversation with you, almost ten years later, here I am sitting here talking about consciousness and regenerative and all these things, which are so relevant. I wasn't in a relevant like I wasn't in a relevant place ten years ago, and then because I stepped into meditation and other things, all of that stuff just just got washed away so fast. I mean, it just all sort of crumbled. The business got restructured; it got sold off. At the time, I wasn't really aware what was going on, but in actual fact, I was getting quite well looked after. I was stepping into a wonderful new place, which was to become, to start the journey to become a meditation teacher. Um, I then founded with my brother, Christopher, a meditation platform called Insight Timer. So there's been things that have come from that step off into a more conscious way to live that have been hugely rewarding. Um, and it is that contrast between something that I look on back now and I don't regret, but there are times but I can see how sort of far down the conscious cliff face I was, really. Um, and there were a lot of wonderful things about my life at that stage. You know, marriage, two beautiful daughters, there were a lot of great things going on. It was still a good life, but inside, if that life had continued that way, then I question just what the longevity of that would have been from a health perspective, all sorts of things I think would have come of that. Um, And I feel fortunate that for whatever reasons I didn't just learn to meditate, I decided to go 180 and full throttle Mm -hmm. towards being a teacher and towards my commitment to I think getting as many people as possible to have a conscious experience, whether they learn Vedic meditation with me or Tim Brown or any other teacher, whether they learn any type of meditation, whether they use an app, I don't really particularly care. At some point, if they can just have a little experience of a of their own conscious state or something deeper, then it'll put it'll start them on a journey somewhere. Possibly start them on a journey somewhere new, and if we think that there's things going on in the world at the moment that look that do look so challenging, it's going to take people shifting their behavior to be able to come into alignment with, let's call it nature's plan. It's a bit esoteric, but it's the same thing that you're trying to do. It's like, okay, let's look at how we go about producing food. How do we go farming food? But as you know, the person who is also then um who's at the you know at at the front line of farming, it also takes a huge amount in terms of people in knowledge, education, changing behaviour so people can start to, you know, sort of adopt best practices in terms of regenerative agriculture. So we're kind of all wanting to find that place whereby we feel purposeful and then sharing something that might help others and then being able, though, to relate to people in order that they can turn around and change their behaviour to, you know, to sort of come, you know, to come along and... Um, because I think that's what it fundamentally boils down to. When people get up in the morning, where's their motivation? You, you said a word there before, Nico, relevance, <clears throat> and I think that's
1: that's brilliant. That that you know, and I and, I, and as you said a couple of things that I, I can relate directly back to farming in terms of experience. You know, I um, you, your where you had been and where you are now are very different places, and the same for me and a lot of farmers who've, who've changed what they're doing. They're they you know, they were spraying chemical. They were you know. Growing commodities, and there was a very different, yep. uh, well, probably not even an intention, but more of a just a job, a chore, a, a um, uh, that's what they did as a farmer, and um, so and again, paying the bills, and that's, that's it. This it it's, it's just yep. a, going for the motions, yeah. And um, so I can sort of, having been there, it's sort of a similar situation. I can that's my reference point, point. Um, and also the the idea of relevance. You know, mm. I feel me personally, that I have much more relevance now. And relevance isn't just about, you know, internally and how relevant am I to the alignment of my purpose, which I'm feeling much more purposeful now, but it's a relevance in the world. You know, relevance, What what is our contribution to the world? You know, how are we going to be not necessarily significant in our relevance but more, you know, in context of and, and in working with uh, the world and and, and and working with it, which is something you're absolutely... You've already highlighted, but you're you're making a big a big change
0: in the world with your your relevance. It just sort of um, just as you were talking, I was thinking about that saying, you know, when we were young, the parents would say, Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and then put <laughs> a bottle of yeah, rum say, in their hand. Yeah. Well, in my case, that was <laughs> possibly a bit of it. Um mm. we can maybe come around to that at some point around fathers. But um mm. now, in fact, it's actually to say, hey, I'm not going to sit here and say anything. I'm going to do this and I'm going to come and do it with you. And because I've been there, and it's a little bit to say, and this is an analogy, but the idea that, you know, maybe you get to a place where you can see the new, you know, you've climbed the mountain and you can see what's in front of you. And instead of saying, hey, come up here, it's like, hey, I'm prepared to come back down where I started and walk back up with you and show you the view. I'll hold your hand. I won't just tell you the view's great. Because that's, that creates that just creates a big gap and whether it's what you do, anybody who maybe has said, listen, I started somewhere, I've ended up somewhere else and the view is good but I want to come back down and do it with you, I can turn around and roll the sleeves up. I know what it's like to get up in the morning. I know what it's like to turn around and say, okay, do I use this chemical? Am I really going to go and do this to this paddock this week? Because, geez, I tell you what, that's going to hit my cash flow. Like it's just so, there's so many grinding aspects. And the same thing is with time I spend with people, it's like, okay, if you continue to meditate, then things will change in your life. Um, you will end up having to make decisions about maybe certain experiences or maybe not going to do this or do that. It will create some tension in, and it's change. And I can I can relate to that and we can come and have a cup of tea with me if it means not going to go into an environment where you might have a drink, right? So we need to be able to... Um, get back down there and really roll our sleeves up with people. And so um, it's just about connecting where people have fear or misunderstanding and whether that's basically around what you do and what your purpose is, it's also the broader understanding about where people have differences even if it's in ideology, the whole thing. We need to find a common point of interest and and, and work from there. That's all there is to it. It's the only way you're going to get people to come around is if you can turn around and kind of go shoulder to shoulder. It's um, when I often start, you know, a talk or a presentation
1: or something, I, I say, um, put your hand up if you eat food. Yeah. You know, you get them all in one, you know, unless, yeah. unless there are some breatharians in the crowd. mm uh-huh. you know, so that's our common point for a lot of, you know, our existence in a way. You know, it doesn't right. matter if we're a plumber or a doctor or a farmer or whatever. You know, we all eat food and we all, I suggest – it might be a good idea if we knew where it was from and, and mm. that it was actually contributing to our health, and not. Now, talking about contributing to our health, Nico, let's jump into the meditation that you do. Yeah, you know, can you can you take our listeners and viewers through? Um, I guess for some, introduce them to the concept, um, and I'm particularly. You don't have to necessarily just use you know farming words yep. and sound like a farmer when you say, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm conscious. I'm sort of I'm conscious that a lot of our our, our listeners are, are farmers, and mm-hmm. and it's and it's something that I'd love more farmers to pick up, um, but without beating them over the head with it. Well, how how would you yeah
0: take it? Take us through a bit of a a bit of an intro. Yeah, good. So Vedic meditation, V E D I C. It is a um, it's a technique. That we practice for twenty minutes twice a day, no more, no less. Um, it is what what I think we see a lot of in the world at the moment is there's a whole thing around meditation. Um, it's called mind, you know, mostly called mindfulness. Um, and probably where people may have found their experiences with meditation to be frustrating is that in this mindfulness moment, there's very much a focus on techniques that come from the more monastic background so a lot of the meditation techniques probably originated thousands of years ago from people who were sitting in monasteries they were able to live that sort of life shaved head all that sort of thing so a very safe environment to meditate a lot now over the course of time some of those techniques have been modernized and i think then what we see is that we see people who are living modern lives running around in cities and all sorts of things and quite busy trying to take a technique that had, was traditionally quite monastic and applying it to their daily life. And so I certainly through my thirties tried quite a few monastic techniques that were dressed up for the modern lifestyle and it didn't work. So I didn't think I was very good at meditation for a long time until I met um, Tim Brown here in this building and What I understood about Vedic meditation is that it is also a traditional technique that dates back thousands of years, but it is actually designed for householders. So it is a technique whereby we can get up in the morning and attend to our family and meditate or meditate at sunrise for 20 minutes, go into our day, whether we have a profession or whatever it is, and then somewhere in the afternoon evening we can meditate again before we come into our family life or our social life. And so for me, grafting that into a day became really pretty straightforward. And it's also a technique. We have a sound or a mantra that we think. So we're able to rest quite deeply, quite quickly, and we can release stress. And so we get a lot done in 20 minutes. So for a modern lifestyle, which um, has demands on it, then we can actually get this done quite well. Um, so that worked for me. So what I'd had done is i tried a lot of the other stuff. All of a sudden I was doing Vedic meditation. I've still been doing it twice a day for almost 10 years. Um, the quick analogy on that, though, and this, or whether it's Vedic meditation or anything else, is that, you know, life is a movie and we are in the conscious cinema of it. If we are watching that movie from the front row or even, in fact, if our face was up the, against the screen, which is what will happen if we are stressed, we are tired, we are anxious – is that our movie will be overwhelming because we are just in the front row? It's all colour, it's all sound, and our nervous system, our physiology is re- is reacting to the whole experience. So we are in a constant state of of um, um, of flight or flight. So we're just we're, here. We are ticking, ticking, ticking the whole time. We can whether we look at social media, what's going on in the news, we, we we run around cities. That's a pretty intense place to be in the front row of your conscious cinema all the time. If we stay there, then over time, that stress and tension builds into inflammation, inflammation can turn into disease, and at some point, if we don't do something about it, then the doctor's gonna say, okay, I'm gonna cut that out or give you this or whatever, or we'll leave our conscious cinema altogether, which we'd like to avoid um, for as long as possible. Um, when we start meditating, we can move back in our conscious cinema pretty quickly to begin with, but what will happen is all of a sudden, we're in row A, row B, row C, And this overwhelming movie of life becomes a good movie. And in fact, there are people in that movie theatre who we're kind of like and there's relationships and family and all of a sudden that experience becomes broader. And if we continue our meditation journey at some point, the movie becomes a $300 million blockbuster. It's just a huge life. And all we're doing twice a day is just letting our physiology remove stress and tension from it. We feel rested and we go about our day. And our evenings in a more balanced way Um, it's very simple so um, when you consider how we approach those things in our movies and coming back to that it's whether we go into our whatever we do what our purpose is what our profession is what our relationships are they all come back to really where they exist inside that movie of ours and so we can engage with all of those demands or those things that we find enjoyable from a place that is more balanced. And so instead of over, overreacting to what people are going to say to us or how we're feeling, if we're actually better slept or better rested and those types of things, we're just going to engage well and have more time to contemplate how certain things may be serving us. So as we meditate more and more, there may be things that have to go. There'll be things that we can also add to the mix. But what will happen is we're going to rest better we're going to um, in all of our relationships will be based on things that are good for us not bad for us if we're in the front row of the conscious cinema we will medicate self medicate we will have a drink which brings us back a bit and then the next morning it'll smack us back into the front row again we might smoke we might take you know we might have medication we might take sleeping pills we might work ourselves into a work, you know that's that's the workaholic the alcoholic all those little words are what comes of being in the front row of the conscious cinema. Don't be fooled by the person who says, I work so hard. That's just another form. Sorry. Working hard as opposed to working all the time at the expense of other things in your life. That's still front row conscious cinema. We just want to get back. Mm. It's really the way. Like it's how we're actually designed to be. Our physiology is designed to be in a place where it's balanced and engaging purposefully. How... What does our body go,
1: what are sort of, I guess, some of the, the, the you know, whilst one is in that state for 20 minutes, um, what are some of the things that, that actually our body is doing in the, in response to that that it wouldn't be doing if we were just getting on our day and doing our stuff?
0: Our body, when it is able to rest, if you consider the extraordinary three trillion things that are going on at any one second right now, um. Our body left its own devices free of our intellect to try and fix it is an extraordinary organism. It will repair and heal and do so many wonderful things that we just get out of its way. Um, we haven't been able to map everything that's going on. There is no there, there is no treatment in the world that we might find externally that can actually do a better job than letting us treat ourselves. So the simple answer to your question is, our body, when we close our eyes, is repairing and releasing stress and releasing fatigue. And it is, you know, lovely, you know, like the secretion of endorphins and serotonins, which are, you know, going back into our body. Um, as we rest more deeply, we're going to start, you know, respiring gently. There's just all of these things happening, which they should just be doing anyway. And what we've done is we've overloaded these nervous systems in quite a short period of time, probably in the last couple of hundred years, less have we actually gone from just walking or sorry, riding a horse, to then jumping on aeroplanes. Like there's been a dramatic increase in movement, in our exposure to technology. There's a whole lot of things going on in this nervous – this, this modern-day nervous system is having to adjust really fast. It's not doing a very good job. What we've done is we're going into the earth to rip out resources to extend life. That's the simple version, <laughs> which we know. And we've tried to cut corners in terms of food production, all these sorts of things. Now we're going to go and turn around and bring a whole – an entire medical infrastructure into prolonging life. That's that's pretty much the idea because we're not prolonging life ourselves. We're not sitting here twice a day meditating and letting our body do the trick. We're turning around and running as hard as we can and then we'll enter into that system and that system will turn around and go, okay, well we're gonna fill you full of this and that and that and that because we want to get you to 85. And that's that 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 is exactly the same as our industrial farming well, system. This is it. We are talking about this is this is the great crossover of our conversations, which is like, okay, I'm going to meditate twice a day and not go to a doctor. I don't know if I mean, maybe just this conversation might remind me to have a checkup. <laughs> but, <I> mean, <laughs> You're looking I just, a bit green, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I mean, you know, it's just like, okay, that that wasn't my old life, you know. Uh, whether it was here, whether it was val- yeah, there was valiums or this or that or anti-inflammatories, but it was consistent. I can't even remember the last time I went to a doctor. Now it's amazing and. But the thing about it is is that my body left its own resources when I, you know, is just does the trick because at the same time the way that we live our lives now means we do eat well. And all the medicines in the world exist in the food that we eat if we're eating good food. We know that. And we don't eat too much. And, you know, sugar is less part of the mix. There's a bunch of things. Still love a coffee, love a Messina chocolate ice cream. That's fine. We're still going to enjoy. We'll put Messina on the show notes there. Exactly. <laughs> Sponsored by. <laughs> but, But... The thing about it is, is that there's this all of a sudden if we we actually need to take back control otherwise you become part of that complex and it's um it's just uh it's fundamentally the most empowering thing we do which is to say as long as i live and breathe i don't want to end up in that system you know and you know we can talk about there's wonderful people i know you met zach bush i mean there are you know this There's a world of this big question mark about modern medicine and then the ties that, of course, we see between Big Pharma and Big Ag. I mean, it's extraordinary and it's a huge oppressive force. So I tell you what, let's let's just look over there and see where that's going on and we can be concerned. But the one thing we can do each day is get our bodies to release stress, tension, fatigue, so we rest well get our chemical makeup back in balance and then make our own decisions about food that is going to change the power of each of those by virtue of our own choices if i choose to eat that and then the next person comes along who's all of a sudden meditating and learning about ag farming starts to eat that the consumer ultimately decides that that's the that that's really where this journey goes because we can make as much noise as we like but if the consumer doesn't turn around and say there's my local organic farmer who's once that's educated, and once that keeps going, then I think we'll see change, and it's happening. Mm. But I think we feel it's got to happen faster. I love the the that you know the parallels.
1: It's just it's, I mean they are the same thing because we are part of nature. But nature as um as we as farmers develop our skills and we understand and and and, and create a relationship with nature just as you've highlighted about the human body, nature has every tool, principle, you know, uh, method required to heal itself. We just have to be, you know, bear witness to that basically and it's the same with ourselves. We just have to give our chance, you know, whether it's 20 minutes a day, 40 minutes a day of meditation, um, the food we eat, the thoughts we have, you know, that's that allows our, our bodies to heal in a way. You know, we just have to... We just have to actually, in some ways, stop doing a lot of stuff, you know,
0: as farmers and as individuals. What is it? So do the microcosm, so the macrocosm, this planet and our bodies are essentially what's the whole one thing, but a similar entity. And we know that there are entities as complex as, as our bodies and the planet right down to a cellular level. I mean, right down into the level of bacteria. I mean, we're talking about vastly complex organisms. But look at the sky, Charlie. Here we are, this blue sky day. Well okay cars have started being getting going last there's no planes still the city you know we can almost see what the effect of leaving it alone has been i mean it's clear and it's Mm. been clear like this for a few months and Mm. la is clear and new york people can see the stars i mean what's happened we just stopped (laughs) so just as we've stopped just as the earth has been given a reprieve so does our body 20 minutes twice a day it's like get out of the way let it stop let it clear itself out and we do it's it's just the same thing. Just stop moving, stop pouring all your rubbish into it, and it'll be fine. Thanks. <laughs> and so we can see that that the less is more, that beautiful simplicity to how we look after an organism, whether it's ours, the one that we walk around in and enjoy, or the one that we, which is our own body, or the one that we also then start to have to live in, you know, in relationship with, which is this planet. Same thing. Let, let's just let it all be for a while and see the results. And it's there's not a city in the world that hasn't been transformed in the last three months. Why wow, it's stopped tearing around on it? So you can do the same thing with our physiology. It's um, I'm, I'm sure the Earth is in a state of relief,
1: but at the same time it doesn't stop, does it? Like it's just uh, going right. There's a window. Let's just make some stuff yeah. happen here. Yeah. Um, talking about stuff happening, Nico. You referenced before that you came to one of our our courses, the, the two-day introduction to biodynamics that we, we hold and, and the one you came to was at, at Hanaminawa, Burua. What um, – and we were talking, you know, before you came along and, and you know, you, my sense was you could you sort of you could feel some sort of similarities between, I don't know, what you'd been experiencing, biodynamics, and you'd sort of dip your toe in the water already. You know, what were some of the the things that you – that sort of you took away or some – you really got – your teeth into during that, that course without giving us a, a two day dissertation of the of the whole thing, which I'd, I would welcome, by the way, but we might do that in
0: series three. But more, you know, what what what, what were the aha's? I came over with my soil preparation that I then donated to the Queen Street um, gardening effort, and all the trees are looking amazing down Queen Street now. <laughs> <laughs> on um, ground action. On ground action. Um, Look, as you know, Charlie, I sort of started that day one and just, I think there were light bulbs going off from the minute Hamish started to speak. So, um, and I felt um, so drawn to the principles of. and I think if we have to, you know, it, it's hard for this audience. So I wouldn't want to go there too much, but you know, the you know where you know where Steiner came from, where bio- biodynamics came from, where even Zach Bush goes around microbiome and you know the living entity of the soil, okay, and then that we can sort of extrapolate those organisms and those those sentient beings in the soil beyond the soil into the um you know into that what's above the what's above the soil. And then, of course, what's in the atmosphere, and then what's in the universe. I mean, in actual fact, we sort of end up with these, these behaviours and layers of, um, consciousness, and um, interplay that actually just run through all layers of life. And soil is life. We talked about soil and soul, and you know, we had mm. this lovely thing it's like, hang on, inside the soil is a rep- like is a, not a representation, is actually the encapsulation of life itself. Because there is, a, there, is a, there is a world under there which is under our feet that is just reflective of all of it. It's, it's, it's as complex and as vital as our heart and our lungs and our brains. It's as complex and vital as what's going on through the atmosphere and what goes on to the, into the sort of planetary world. And I was just struck by how what we sort of end up doing is we, you know, our frame of reference is just one plane. It's this plane that we feel like we are part of in our day-to-day, whether it's walking through Sydney or whatever it might be, but those planes are all existing and coexisting, whether it's below our feet under the ground and then going further up into um, the atmosphere. And what we, you know, as we start to understand the way that that all relates, any time that we go and affect one part of it, we're actually just causing an enormous ripple effect. I mean, it's just... And then, of course, we see the great, big, dramatic moves that are made in the environment. Um, I read something about the wall that they're building Mexico and, you know, what 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 they will do to curtail the flow of animals and migration between, you know, the US and the Mexico border. I mean, it's mind-boggling, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometres of and what they do is they just stop it and by the way we can do the same thing we can drive through the wakers parkway in sydney and they put up big fences on either side of the parkway and we know they have just stopped the natural flow of wildlife from one complex ecosystem to another now of course a few of them might get hit by the car but they've actually stopped the flow and so it's not to say that what something's happening in america is any worse than here but i'm trying to explain for me, I was struck by just how, how complex and diverse this system is and what we need to do or what we can do by understanding how it all hangs together. And that was what I experienced in that two days. It was just like this absolute walking into a world of things that didn't appear to be complex at all, just incredibly logical. It was just, I mean, you know how we, it was just like, okay, how do we then start to come at this from this conscious perspective and we ended up teaching you know a wonderful group of people to meditate who are up there part of your community and even during that course we had people who were doing the um biodynamic course of you, and then having a chat to me and we we're all sitting there going hey look at these look mm. at the crossover so what did i bring away just like it was sort of like a new universe and um hugely inspiring hugely inspiring
1: what um because a lot of our listeners aren't farmers, and yeah. I, I sort of—it's a bit of an emphasis on farming, or a or a bit of a, a you know, a a whiff of farming along the way. What, um, but I'm conscious that a lot of them aren't farmers. Mm. What, where do you see the relevance of biodynamics? Which, on the outside, is like, oh, you know, how to grow a better carrot. Yep. You know, how do you see the relevance? What's the relevance of biodynamics to to someone in you know, a in a townhouse
0: in Paddington? Yes, and that was what we said. I think I might have said to you, Charlie. How do we get? how do we get the people in the cities to understand how vital and how vital their role is in this, um, in this exchange, you know, like to, for them to turn up to talk to the person at the local farmer's market down the road and appreciate how, you know, what it means for them to make that decision, to buy that carrot and the effect that that has on the entire mechanics of food production. Right, so it's education, and so this was just it. I think there was something that you know might have done by vid. I think we did a little interview, but I was like, you don't have to be a farmer or anything to appreciate the, you know, the 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 incredible. There's something about understanding biodynamics or regenerative farming that is not just about being a farmer or living in the city. It's it, 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 it's your entire existence, and so when I heard. When I was there with you and Hamish Mackay, um, I wasn't just coming from the city and sitting, you know, sitting in the country. I was literally felt like, I mean, I was engaging with my entire reason to be. And when people feel that, then I think all of a sudden they're just, you know, it's inspiring. And it's not as if someone might not be inspired by by a beautiful piece of art or whatever it is that gets them going. But when they all of a sudden see into that world of biodynamics, it's just so glorious. And I think that's a that's the way you inspire people because inspiration will lead to change, and that leads to change of behaviours. And when people all of a sudden can be led on this little in, in, into that world of biodynamics, I think it just becomes it become you know it becomes instinctive. Um, so that was that was what my experience was, and I think a lot of people as they start to understand how relevant. That, um, that their relationship to food is. Then, um, they'll be inspired.
1: As a um, just to just to jump to, I guess it's it's it is relevant your your role as a father. Um, what are some of the, I guess, the motivations for you to be. The far, the the best father. Well, not the word best. I don't necessarily like that, but be the most you know appropriate father you can be. And what are some of the
0: what are some of your experiences? What are some of the motivations? It comes back to the opposite of do as I say, not as I do. It's like just we as parents we do, and we do in a way that we consider to be true to ourselves. And if our children learn to. Do that, and that, regardless of maybe some of the the, the 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 way life moved, that you could say at a certain stage in life that you were able to impart on them the the belief or the knowledge or the confidence to just do you know do themselves to their utmost potential and ability. I think that's everything because at some point children are going to find their own way but if they i think change is a important part of everything if we don't change the way that we're going about things in the world then the world's going to be you know in a tough place so whether it's change for good or change for all those things is important um as we might see, our children struggle at certain things in life, and some may, be, may have an easier path than others, and whatever it is. But all of, you know, everybody on this planet is born with unlimited potentiality. That moment of creation, given that, given the, given the incredible complexity and just the miracle of that, you know, encapsulated in that moment of conception is all of universes potentiality, really. And then there's a journey into the world and those types of things. And at that sort of point, well, then, you know, parents start to have a role. And then, of course, you know, through survival instincts, we become as children and then we become peer group and we actually start to shape our potentiality based on what we think the world wants from us, not what we actually made deep down potentially, you know, have to be. And I think I, think I started out that way and coming back full circle the way the conversation started, at some point maybe we dim our light, right? Maybe we just sort of go into cruise mode and, and then I think if if we saw our children and it, like I think most people might do that, which is they go to a place where they have to sort of work things out themselves. But as parents, if we could show them that at whatever stage in life it is that you might turn around and decide to do things differently and decide to, to really strive for your potential or purpose, if your children can look at you whether they're 10 or 15 or 30 and go, geez, you know what? I'm looking at a person who played a key role in my life as my father or my mother and, geez, that might be a way I can go because it's quite possible to change. It's quite possible to not be anxious or to not feel terrible or not to do this and all of a sudden it's like, well, hang on, there's actually a way to live because my father or my mother or whatever, they obviously changed their life and at the time it looked like a pretty big change. Mm. (laughs) But actual fact, it's okay to change. In fact, Look at the results because I think anyone who does change and decide to do things differently, there will be. To me, I don't believe that you're going to end up in a worse place. Not at all because change is vital to evolution, and in fact, it's on us to change. And if you don't change, well, I think at some point it's like, well, what's your contribution? And nature might turn around and have a view on that too. But so, well, it's true. You know, I had a father. i You know, I had a father who um, was an alcoholic who lived in a certain way and he was a fantastic guy. You might remember him, but by the end of his life, he was living in a pretty tough place and he ended up dying at the age of 67. But it was no surprise because dad's contribution was quite limited by that stage. And I think we look around and go, okay, well, kind of makes sense. You know, read the packet, don't smoke. Well, if you're going to keep smoking, then you might die of lung cancer. So we're going to like, there's plenty of signs that are really quite obvious, but coming back to it as a father, if, my three now three daughters were to say um whenever whatever it's at some point in life and i may not even be here when they work that out that i that, that that somewhere in there they saw that there was a way for us to change on the basis that we might reach a place of more potential and purpose that would be that would feel like a life we lived all we can expect sorry that's all that we might hope because if people strive for their potential then this world will change because if we're just going to turn around and navel gaze and think it's too hard or actually feel from our conscious place in the cinema that we are too tired or we can't be bothered or you know it's just we're too you know we're we're in that place of like oh can't be bothered that's pretty much the words i can't be bothered it's Mm -hmm. too hard or i'm too scared if all of a sudden everybody turned around and realised that there was actually a place of potentiality, then this place would change overnight. There's something to be
1: said for, again, I'm referencing back to farming, but it's just life, you know, and and, and, and also it's, it's a, a sort of current medical sort of um, condition or paradigm generally is, you know, to get by, we treat the symptoms, which will get us maybe one day further down the track or one year or you know one 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 you know one one sort of a yeah to our next doctor checkup or something yep. so you know treating the symptoms whether it's like a, a weed or soak a weed in the paddock as a farmer or as a you know a, a pop another pill because I've got yep. a, some headache or something you know as a as a non-farmer um that's what it sort of feels like isn't it sort of like we, we're just poking
0: along and not digging deep to the core of it it's problem on the level of the problem. Mm. And yeah. that is a proven failed strategy. You know, we know that. <laughs> well, that's what I think was Einstein, yeah. like, you know, like proven failed strategy. And then it's about, and we're looking at the content, not the context. You know, so all of a sudden it's like, hang hey, on, well, here we are trying to sort of just, because from a limited place, you're just going to turn around and play whack-a-mole. That's the way you're going to live your life. It's like, I'll fix that, chop, take that out, take the pill, do this, do that. It's all just, you're going to kind of you know, you're just going to keep batting, playing the same game of tennis, right? You need to get off. You need to go and play on another tennis court. And that's pretty much all that is going on. He said, she said, they said, this said. That's what we're looking at in terms of the, you know, the, the brutal partisanship, the brutal sort of, you know, conflict of ideology. I mean, it's just all it is is that two sides continually up in the ante, up in the ante. Now, because whether we are individually in the front row of conscious cinema or whether we are at the front row of our conscious cinema as states, and by, by country I mean by countries, and then, of course, you know, in terms of humanity, it feels like humanity is in a great, big the, – the whole of humanity has got its face up against the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so – if you think about yeah, it, because otherwise, so you know, like our environment wouldn't be where it was going if it wasn't, you yeah. know, because if we were all – like if humanity was broadly conscious and, – and humanity has been broadly conscious mm. at times gone by – but it feels like you know, as 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 the as the sort of um, the pressure's building, front row, front row, front row. Well, the only thing that possibly starts to do is you kind of almost have to reach in and one by one drag people back out. You can just see this great big wall of humanity, and you want to go, okay, come back, you come, I can come. That's why the, I sort of think about it. If I get up each day and sort of someone go, hey, do you want to just come back out of that front row? Call them back, great, yeah. Um. And you, you know, you're, you know, you're, you know, we're doing the same thing. It's like, okay, I've got, you know, I can relate to people who have a key role in what the future environmental health of this of this country, of this planet looks like. And you can do the same thing. Hey, have you thought about this? I've got another way. This is where I've got to. This is how you go about it. And let me help you. Great, pull them back. Fantastic. What do they do? They start adopting different ways to farm. Um, and it is literally, you know, that's the whole thing. If you can, you know, you know, attend to this, which is our own individual experience, and then also by doing that change the shape of the familial experience or those closest to home and then by doing so your community starts to shift a bit, eventually maybe you might be able to say, okay, well, we'll change the world, but you're never going to be able to do that over there if you haven't been able to also really live it and do as I do. Do the stuff. We can it. do as I say to are blue in the face. Nothing's going to change out there. Mm. And, um, and by the way, we're not all going to do this the whole time. Of course, we're human. There are stresses and we've got challenges. But the further you are back in that conscious cinema, the easier it is to respond to demands. It doesn't mean you won't get stressed or a bit pissed off here or have a tired few nights with a young child. There's all these things that are going to happen. We're only human. But if you are meditating regularly or you're eating well or you're engaged in that part of your life, you're going to – you know, you might respond to a demand which is very normal because we're designed to do that, but you're gonna bounce back much more quickly too. You won't sit around for three days feeling terrible about something you said, you'd be like next day be like oh, I forgot about that. Because your physiology and the way that you live and the things that you're engaged with are inspiring. Um and so I think Charlie, um, if we if we're really going to um, get this show on the road, then I think it, you know, it's like how do people just turn around and find that little switch that they then know is purpose-driven and they start to feel a reconnection and a remembering of their potentiality because it's in all of us, you know, and we can all sit here and remember a time in our life, like picture, you are eight and what, what do you look like? You're smiling and you're, you know, there's just a, there's some, joy frivolous joy Mm. about you right and we can all do it close your eyes and it's like hey find that person um and that's um that's a journey which we all are able to be part of in this lifetime but not everyone's going to do that of course we may just decide that that's challenging but if we do that then all of a sudden it gives mission for other people to do it too Mm. and that's contributing and it's leading and it's purpose driven it's all sorts of wonderful things find that find that potentiality in us
1: it's setting an example isn't it it's just like as you say you it's not about bashing someone over the head with it and not not doing it yourself you're going i'm just i'm just going to do it you can take it or leave it you know i'll drop little things on the table every now and again you can pick them up if, if that you you're, in, you're interested back to your the analogy of you know the screen and the, the you know the the, the film of your life and, and and watching it up close i've often um a, a similar sort of a um, scenario is that you know, imagine running along you're running you're jogging and you've got a cap on and you put the lid right down and you and you and you and you look just two feet in front of you and try try i've done it i try running and looking just at the ground two feet in front of you it's a bloody horror story because mm. you don't know where you're going and you, you, you literally trip over yourself because that's all you're looking at. You're looking at the immediate thing to deal with, which is that bit of bitumen or gravel, you know, two feet in front of you. But if you can, you know, lift the cap up and you lift your head up, you know, which is a sort of a bit like, you know, you've got better posture. You're looking ahead and you can see in front of you and you, you've got the choice of going, you know, mid-ground, far mm. away, Up close, and you've got a greater range of of view of your journey ahead, you know. So, and you can anticipate the potholes and the tree and the tracks going over there. Well, I can choose to go there and follow, or I can just jump off the track, but I've got time to make that decision Uh instead of just going, shit, actually, I'm actually,
0: I've hit the tree now because I couldn't see it. That's it. Those analogies exist all around us. I've just turned up to. Um, this interview with you on a motorbike that's <laughs> 24 hours old. And but where I look is where the bike goes. That's what I know and I've only been out, I haven't stopped for 24 hours, <laughs> it feels like. But, of course, it's just like, look there, I'll go there. Mm. You know, if I'm going to have my head down and worrying about everything, going, I'm going to end up in trouble. Mm. And it's the same thing whether you're jogging or we're on a bike. It's just, that you know, the analogy of life is the same. You look up. And you'll go there where your attention is we will move towards and just and that's the same for the negative things in life if we want to go and put enough attention on something no good in our life it'll happen um we, and, and 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 so but and but uh, but that is also where we're going to become too focused or obsessive about things that's because we're in the front row and our physiology is just humming on something which is just tick 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 mm. tick and you can't get away from that so you've got to get back and then once you've got your attention in a broader place and, of course, that's the way, you know, that's the way your life will be and it's exactly the same thing. As you say, look up. If there is things to attend to, you can look, you can drop your eyes. Oh, great, okay, break there. Okay, yeah, I'm just going to run around the pothole so I don't sprain my ankle. Mm. But, yeah, with a much broader perspective when your head looking towards the horizon, you've got a strategic view. Um, and so then all your decisions get based on, are based on getting there, not short-term decisions on just attending to, you know, small problems because they are small. They look huge, though, when all you can do is look down at the pothole. If you'd seen it from 20 metres off, you don't even see the pothole. That's, that's exactly it. You don't. Don't go that way, you headed off to that way because it was just a nice little track. Yeah. And so that's it. And look, we can, we can put a whole bunch of little lenses around this, but there is a um, – the word happy gets thrown around a bit, and and I, and I sometimes struggle with it a bit because it feels I'm I'm not sure about it. But in actually, but you know, there is a place of happiness, which I don't think is just because we feel happy and we run around smiling. It's actually that we're feeling good about what we are doing. That's happiness. It's like purpose driven, and you feel like you've just lined up with something that you know. And we're, and we're all different, and we've all got things. But if there's a place of purpose there and you feel like you're doing it to your potential, you will be happy. Um, and conversely, if you're not, and you're sort of wasting your time, then you're going to be making that negative contribution is also actually, um, well, too much of that and too many people feeling that way. And we do end up with society struggling, right? More people feeling purposeful and whatever. You'll just work out in the street and see more smiles. But if you're going to walk out onto the street and people are walking around feeling pretty negative, then it's actually you know there is going to be a collective weight mm-hmm. to our conscious experience, and it feels that way at the moment. It feels like a collective weight of you know whether it's been isolation or what's going on. It just doesn't seem like there's you know like like there's much um, the weight because of the way we consume with it and engage with it. It doesn't feel like there's much of a let up.
1: Do you think there's there's a, there's more? Um, I mean. Whether it's from a media point of view or just the general attitude in the you know in in the community in the world, is there are we are we are we being exposed to enough? Uh, I mean, I'm going to say solutions. I'm not necessarily you know, solutions don't solve things necessarily because I always say that you know if there's a problem, you have got to look at the, the needs of the people involved that aren't getting met, and then a solution will drop out of that. But do you think that we sort of there's not enough? Positivity or sort of solution based thinking around this, and that we are, we are 10, whether it's human nature or just where we're up to, we just sort of wallow in. Oh,
0: shit, you know, is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. I mean, c- come back to it. Um, you know, problem on the level of problem, context, not content. The con, you know, we're, we're actually deciding somewhat to engage with the content. You know, we all have the ability just to turn off our phones, we could do it, but we're all kind of just <laughs> look, mm-hmm. you know. There is a place in our consciousness where we're not going to turn around and just get go down the rabbit hole on Twitter because it just isn't it just doesn't feel good. It's mm-hmm. like oh, I much rather be down, you know, running in like at sunrise because mm-hmm. a physiology that is in harmony, like in harmony and feeling good, is just not going to even find that. Like it won't even relate. It's just like yeah. oh my god, it's gone because I'm actually down at the beach or I'm swimming in the ocean or whatever you know, wherever we are, there is a place where our our consciousness and what will not be drawn to things that are. No good for us, they'll only be drawn to things that are better for us. And that's just happening on such a broad perspective. So if you could just ex, you know expand that whole idea is that um, there is creative solutions and thinking out there, but the where our attention is at the moment, we're just sucking up the stuff that's negative. So we just have to shift that. And it's not going to happen by telling everybody about it. We need to get in and start to lead by example. We need to bring people around to a different way of thinking. And behaviour doesn't change, for, in terms of what I do, unless consciousness changes. You can tell You can tell someone till they're blue in the face that they could sleep better and feel better and. You know do all sorts of wonderful things if they were just to close their eyes for 20 minutes you can tell them that you can put a great big ad up you put an ad up in the every newspaper and it's free and you can put a it's free <laughs> anytime of the day and and that people wouldn't turn up <laughs> um <laughs> Because in so they go, why that it, simple? Well, in actual fact, we're all still doing our research. We still need mm. to go where I've been. You need to go mm. there. You need to go into the dark to sometimes, to really, to, to appreciate the light. You do. You need to, and maybe humanity's just having a great big soul search. Maybe humanity's just doing a fair bit of, you know, stumbling around in the dark. And maybe it's going to have to get worse before it gets better. And that's okay too. You know, we've got big cycles. We've got cycles that we can see. The life, You know, the actual cycle of life is one of birth, birth. let's call it, life and then death and then it's, you know, death. You know, like we've got that cycle going on. Maybe, just maybe, we're seeing a part of the cycle that we've all just got to hold tight for for a bit longer and it could be that it's going to have to get to the point where people are like, okay, I really need to change the way I act and live and think and behave because humanity's in, you know, you know, the – the survival of humanity depends on it. That'd be okay too. It's amazing time. Well, it's ha- just amazing time. It is.
1: It's 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 um it's exciting. Hamish um, Hamish yeah. McKay talks about you know the stage that we're up to in our humanity is sort of we're almost we're youths. We're sort of not juveniles. I'm actually sure what age range officially a juvenile sort of sits in, but yes. but certainly more. You're in our exuberant youth. Yeah. You know we make mistakes. Yep. we're having fun hmm. you know, generally at the expense of others um but as you say we sort of almost have to go through this as part of our our journey to get to sort of where we've we're old enough as individuals but as a as a species to hmm. have had the experience
0: um, but young enough to still be able to do something with that experience yep. And the species may have to take an enormous, you know, the population might take a haircut or maybe the species, maybe this is, maybe we are the teenage kid who gets on a motorbike and who knows, maybe that's the sort of. You don't have to be, clearly you don't have to be a teenager (laughs) to get on a motorbike. Well, (laughs) yes, (laughs) that's that's true. But but (laughs) maybe, you know, as we all know, the earth, you know, we, we can see that in the last three months, when we just all take our foot off the throttle, literally, the earth just recovers so quickly. I mean, it's amazing. Airport, the whole thing mm. it just it bounces back mm. so fast. So someone sent me a photo of the Ganges from Rishikesh in um, in India. They've been up there. I'm um, the, um, um, there's a man who lives there, and there's no one, obviously, really traveling through India. The whole thing shut down, and the Ganges up there is relatively clean at the top of the Himalayas, but it's also you still look at it and think, oh, I'm going to swim in this. Mm. The photo that came back is a crystal clear Ganges River. I mean, he's never seen it in his lifetime. You can see six feet just down to the bottom where all the rocks are. It's crystal clear and mm. no one would have ever seen the Ganges with clear water in it. This man's probably 40. Mm. So it bounces back in a month or two. It's incredible. People I know in Bali are just saying that Bali sort of feels like the whole place has just been reborn because there's no tourism. There's no, It's just extraordinary. We have that experience so the thing is we know you know we know god we know she's okay earth will be fine mm. you'll just shake us off one day if we really take this relationship too far and that, <laughs> you're gone and that and, and if we really consider the the, the the extraordinary i mean we can't even fathom time mm. billions 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 of years so you know maybe maybe for the tiny the tiny little snapshot of you know you know humanity's crack this time around well at some point, there's going to have to be a real reckoning. It's good, and it's very similar to
1: um, bringing it back to a smaller scale, like a, a farm that is that has taken the foot off the accelerator. You know, has is, is, has has just let that farm given it the window mm. opportunity to heal. You know, like mm. in the in in on a global sense, you know where. We're not. It's not that air pollution, and it's not the activity and the transport and so on on a farm. It's a very similar thing. We're not polluting. We stop polluting it with, with a number of different things, and we're, we're standing back and just letting it. It, it, it has everything. It's, it needs to heal, you know. And I, I, I'm listening to David Marsh. Interviewed him there some time ago, and and he's you know his his journey. Was at one point he thought he was the healer. He that was his job. It was to heal a landscape. And he, mm. at some point he actually realised that no, I just got to let it heal itself. I just got to. My responsibility is to step back and observe and and and, and adapt and respond, having been guided by the, the the signals and the triggers of nature, which is just doing. Which again gets back to our bodies. It's like stop so. putting that shit into myself. Mm. You know, get the good sleep do some simple simple mm. things that save time money whatever and look at our bodies respond yeah and go and, and just going thank you for
0: for that it's it, it's the same it's the same we apply the same principle mm. and um you know, they say regular meditators will slow their aging process. It's just mm. a fact. You look at people who've been meditating. I mean you look sort of twenty five. Yeah. It? It's just whining about the clock. <laughs> but, Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button. But <laughs> it is true though. I you know, I know people who are regular meditators and have been for some time and they're just not looking like the same person mm. at the same age who hasn't decided to live a different life. I mean, it's you know, you can just you can line it up. So the same stands for our physiology as it would for a farm or the earth you just let you know you let it move into its natural experience mm. one of those is to come to a place of rest if our eyes are closed and we're meditating that's the most natural experience we have we've just forgotten we've actually forgotten about that so you remember that you let your body remind itself that we're not just all of these individual ideas and all of these expectations and things that our parents told us and. There's an entire framework there. We can get into all psycho- We can do all sorts of stuff, but there's a framework there about what we think. If you meditate, regardless of most practices, you just get a little reminder of what you truly are, which is you are universal. And so do that enough, your body just starts to respond in a way. It's like, okay, I don't have all of these individual ideas and expectations. I'm actually more of a universal entity than an individual one. And so that's lovely because the qualities of the universe are – Going to you know are, are let's call them supportive, but they are compassionate and loving and all these lovely things. So, um, and not to we don't need to go. You know, we we can we could go a long way further in that conversation, but I think that's it. Is that there is a fun? You know, there isn't that there, there is a the foundation to the human experience is not just all of this individual external validation the, the 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 underlying part of where we came from is a universal experience as it relates to the moment we were created it's incredible that yeah. we just we, we came out of a universal experience it just was like Snap, there we are. We're the product of, and that's where we're going to go back to. Got to go back there. And that's not a hard thing to do. We can, through a practice or whatever it might be, find that connection. And I think even to come back full circle is that that was the way I felt when I was down at Burua with you that weekend and with Hamish McKay. I was like, oh, this is this is a reconnection with my universal nature.
1: That's cool. Yeah. What I've, um, just in our discussion here, Nico, sitting here in Paddington, which I've had a fair bit to do with this part of the world over the years, um, used to work at the Dudley, Lord Dudley, just up the road. Best <laughs> pub, Sydney, Jamie Kusha. I gave you a rap yesterday on in an interview, getting getting a bit of airtime, time, Governor. Um, but my point was, you know, it, uh, just sitting here reflecting and, and, and speaking with you, Nico, um, and, and talking about biodynamics in this context because, you know, I'm usually rabbiting on about it on a farm and thinking about make, building compost and, you know, growing grass and stuff. But, you know, the I've sort of been inspired to really consider – and we have done them in Sydney before, um, like a one-day intro to, to biodynamics in the context of a backyard in, in mm. you know, suburban Sydney. And I think that is that is definitely something that um, that I will <laughs> – not just consider, I'll do, it's just in t- terms of um, timing and, and, and location is probably. So, um,
0: well, yeah. I, you know, as I, you know, like I, there are so many people already who, um, I mean, I'm having this conversation, I had it yesterday, with someone just around exactly that. How do we bring the, the, the knowledge of, you know, what's sort of beyond the, you know, beyond the outskirts of this city here and i think there's you know there's there's built up demand for people to learn about that and um it'd be a great place to start because that's that was where you and i sort of came just like okay we got to you know how do we get this you know, you know how do we get this to the cities how do we spread the word and because of the connection that people find with it so quickly i think you know once again it it, it is inspiring it's not just some course that people go oh that would be interesting or it's another string to the boat it's like no this is about this is about how I live. Some years ago, Nico, um,
1: Hamish, and I ran. It was a one-day course at Bronte right. in a the backyard there, and we. Leading up to that, I'd been in touch with via um, our our selling beef, you know, boxed beef into into Sydney, um, a counselor on Waverley Council at the time, and we got talking about biodynamics. And I can't remember if she actually came to the course. Maybe she did, but anyway, she was really interested. And as a result of this, Hamish and I did a gorilla B D spray on Bronte Park and Marks Park and Tamara and, and um and Tamarama. Incredible. It was a classic we had a, the flow form set up there. We had a guy, Shane Martin came down with his beaten up old land cruiser with his tank and his spray gear and we sat it there for an hour like stirring and he was going, what is that contraption? And we'd chat away and then Shane, he's a classic, he's burning around spraying the crap out of everything. When I say spraying the crap as in it's a, it's a soil preparation, like you can drink this stuff and, <laughs> and everybody was just going, what is going on here? It was a classic and then he'd burned over to tamarama and then he's up on my, like no one gets to drive at mark's park no one gets <laughs> to drive around there it's incredible and he's he's just
0: driving around <laughs> well look it works i mean it, it like it you know as we know the potency of that and i've come back to the queen street lara but i've got this my little it's two meter by three meter patch of lawn mm. <laughs> on the main street but um you know before i put my preparation on it it wasn't so good now it's people have <laughs> people walk past and comment (laughs) and um and all the trees down queen street so once again it's just stuff that you know people can get their hands into it you can get that into it and i think there's because it's not just i think once people get into that world they are making you know subconscious instinctive connections with just the very makeup of their body Mm. it's sort of um and Interestingly, they don't need to meditate or do a bunch of other things to feel something very, very deeply, mm. and that's what I loved about, that's what I still love about what you're doing and Hamish is doing and the way you're going about it, because people might not realise why they're so drawn to it, and that's almost that. That's kind of wonderful. It's sort of it's like a it's like a
1: nourishment. It's mm. it's there's a there's a there's a, like a food you know substance nourishment. Um, facet of it, obviously, because you're putting something in your mouth, potentially, you know. But there's also like a spiritual, and mental nourishment just by just just the 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 subject matter, the the topic, the discussion, the the this yeah, the concept of biodynamics. It's just, I mean, the the nourishment, the physical nourishment, helps your head anyway. I mean, it's from a physiological point of view. But it's the it's. I mean, I, I can just sense in you the um. I wouldn't say the change, but certainly this the the what's been lit in you as a result of being at that course, and and it's certainly sort of there's it's a resonance, you know. There's a, there's literally a when you when you vibe with something, it's because that's hence the word. It's like because you're in you know you're in you're in that um, it just fits, it just
0: feels good. What what's something like this conversation or some understanding of that? I think could mean for people is that in actual fact they can turn around and be part of the food, ch- that, that, that cycle of food preparation or, or sourcing in quite a natural way. I mean you can have your little box in the backyard with your soil preps and your thing and you don't in actual fact need to, there's just a naturalist but you can actually just let it, do what it needs to do, and you can learn something along the way. And you're not having to go to the hardware store and get your roundup, or <laughs> your, or your, <laughs> or, or, your, or whatever it's going to be fertilize oh, fertilizers yeah. and all this yeah. rubbish that we do. It is like, oh, actually, hang on a second, I got that little bit out there, and mm. it's actually, and, and 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 so there's a natural way to gravitate to that as opposed to sort of feeling an unnatural way to grow food, which is as you say, get your fertilizer and do that, and stick it out and get your little seeds. I mean. It actually gives people a lower and less challenging entry point mm. because they're coming back to something which feels very natural in them. Um, so it's not a, like, it's an easier sell. And it's about having ownership of not just your mm. food
1: supply, but actually ownership of the process and the, mm. the the ritual of doing that. You know, I'd love it if, if you know, we do have people who go to our courses and we make all preparations and time, so but they actually have, you know, people from, from, Paddington turn up, help us make some of this stuff. I, I, you know, three months later, I turn up with their little portion that they've mm-hmm. actually made the cow shit that they've put in the ground and the the horns they've stuffed, and go, this is yours. You, this is this this was yours three months ago, you know, yeah. and, and this is you're now bringing your intention that's been sitting in my paddock for three months, making into your back garden now, and now you're responsible for where it goes and the food that you're going to grow and feed your children and the trees, you. are your, um I can't remember what sort of trees are up your street there. Not leopard woods, are they?
0: Whatever they are. Oh, I I can't think
1: what they are either. But you know, just doing that, like you don't mm. even have to have a backyard. You can go and put it out in the on the on the on the curb out the front and, and talking about trees I was on like, the whole street. The whole street. Yeah. yeah whole and street. just talking about trees and I was in um, Byron the other day, Byron Bay, and um uh, Janine Price, who looks after the the harvest um, yeah. uh, restaurant, the the, the beautiful yeah. garden there. We'd put some preparations out there two months ago, and and we I went back to have a chat and um and 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 totally unprompted, she said, "Oh, this lemon tree here." She she'd poured some of the stuff two months ago. She'd poured what was left over around the around the thing and on the tree, and she said, "This lemon tree," she was she was thinking about pulling it out. Mm. Right? She said it had this leaf curl stuff going on. The fruit was ordinary and the and the tree had this very droopy posture, right? And she thought I was and it's not a young tree, like it's I don't know, maybe it's ten years old. It's got a bit of height to it, it's probably two or three metres high. And she was just going, I don't know what to do, you know. Anyway, put this stuff on, just as a matter of course, through the spreading of this stuff. And she's right on point. Like she's mm. really into this stuff. Not that you have to be, but and, and she said, You know what? It's really funny. And you're looking at this fresh shoot, there's beautiful green lemons. And she's going, This tree just looks better. I know it's it is better because of the leaf and the fruit. Mm. And it's and it's lifted. And I was totally unprompted I was just going, That is wonderful to hear, you know? Mm. And it's like so don't think if you're not growing food, you can't actually have a have you know, contribute to this and, and use biodynamics, you know. It's on your lawn, in the trees at the front, you know, there's a bit yeah. of paperbarks where we are and they could do it with a bit of a hit of
0: And do you know love. what, Charlie, that lemon tree is also, you know, all of us. Mm. You know, you might be sitting there looking at, you know, a person or a physiology and they're flat and whatever and their skin's not, you know, maybe they're looking not so vibrant and they're just a bit, they're walking along the road with their head down and, you know, you could just tell that they're just not part of that environment in a know like we th- this physiology we are no different to that tree crossroad and that lemon tree we are you know we have a we have a relationship with with nature that if it's in harmony nature supports us mm. it is everything we need mm. if we turn around and don't don't interact with it as well as we can then it's going to be you, you know we'll struggle and and you know we're we're the lemon tree <laughs> and so if we turn around and hey all it got was a little bit of its like it got back a bit of its kind of um It got back a bit of its original source. Essence. It got back its essence. And when we turn around and close our eyes, we get back our essence. Mm. And you look at someone who's been meditating for three or four months, they're all of a sudden, you'll just bump into them. You're like, what have you been doing? Mm. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. A bit like, you know, I don't know. Was was it the preparation? (laughs) Was it the meditation? (laughs) It's actually the same thing. I'm doing this thing twice a day. It's like, now, of course, after you've been doing it for a few months or whatever it is, then you're like, it's undeniable to me that that, that that what I do to close my eyes and come to my universal nature means that, I don't know, I feel better, I sleep better, I look better, and you can turn around. And then, of course, it becomes a bit of external validation for someone. You look great. What have you been doing? I've been meditating. We'll keep going. But that's the same thing. As you're talking about the lemon tree, I'm, I'm thinking about every human who at a certain point in time may feel that they're just – Bit half baked. They're just not quite there. We'll turn around and add the preparation. Mm. Close your eyes because it's as simple as it. it, It's the most simple. It's preparation
1: for the soul. It's
0: preparation for the soul. Soil and soul. That's
1: it. It comes back to that. We've just stumbled on it again. (laughs) Is it soil to soul? Soil to soul. We better um, patent, not patent, what do you do? Domain. Um, I think I have got the the (laughs) domain word. Soilandsoul.com. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's it. Mate, we have been banging on for an hour and 20 minutes Amazing, now. Charlie.
0: Great. We better go. Yeah, we better um, go. I'll do it again sometime. We've got a hot lunch date. Good. Um, do I'll double you up on my bike. <laughs> Yeah, no, give me a dink. I'm not allowed to. It's
1: illegal. No, that's fine. I've (laughs) got my machine over the road there. I've got my my chariot over there. Um, Mate, let's – that is – I've so enjoyed that. I hope that that sort of resonated with our listeners. I'm sure it has. And so too. Let's let's talk to Tim Brown about some stuff Mm -hmm. when the time's right. Good idea. Because he's on the case. And um, I trust that sort of people have have at least sort of – drawn from this the the connections between, mm. you know, food meditation, mental health, um, biodynamics, you know, and the lovely thing is, it's all the same thing.
0: It is all the same thing and it's I guess we all can feel it. We like to connect dots, but sometimes it doesn't, you know, it, it does take us to expand our ideas of things and sometimes we not you know, sometimes then, you know, we might have questions and I guess we'd like people to reach out to you or I about that because I'm sure some of these podcasts and these conversations do pose questions and people like to maybe clarify things. So I think both you and I are always available or at least want to have these conversations. It's just what it's like what this whole thing's about: mm. sharing, answering questions, you know, getting feedback about ways that we can make this whole conversation um, one that people can more simply, you know, you know. Um, enjoy and appreciate because um it is one thing and that's often not the easiest thing to get our heads around but once it starts to connect the beautiful thing about what i think we both do is that it's not something that this is not foreign to our existence it's actually just us remembering who we are now talking about remembering we
1: better remember remember for good reason uh, a mutual friend of ours who actually um you facilitated the the connection with sarah wilson Yes, and you. We were talking just before about, um, I guess the you know the solutions versus the sort of state of just going in circles and state of worry. You know, she's she's writing, written a book that'll be out soon. Yep, that sort of addresses some of those things, isn't it? We're all pretty keen to to read that one. We're always
0: very keen to um, to sort of, you know, you know, read and 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 enjoy what sarah um is able to bring to the world you know she's i don't know anyone who can you know consider such a range of information and different perspectives whether it was you know where she started out sort of really around food and sugar and those things and then you're obviously moving through anxiety and that sort of stuff and i think where Sarah's now moving to around You know, the environment, climate, those sorts of things, but just a whole general idea of waking up to what our fundamental human condition is. But, I mean, no one pulls down as much information and and then can communicate it as well as Sarah. It's an extraordinary – she's extraordinary at it. So, yeah, I think it'll be wonderful to see um, what her next next book looks like. But, um, you know, that's the wonderful thing about even this, for those people that are listening – when you start on these conversations and start you know exploring different you know different people that are part of this sort of community of thinkers or whatever it might be it just opens a world up of people who i consider to be you know really approachable and um and and active and engaged in you know within their own communities you know and that's what you do and i think that's a nice thing about this this is you know it's a real sort of hands on deck let's get in this together, let's roll our sleeves up and make soil preparations and let's talk about anxiety or where we're going or let's learn to meditate. It's just this whole, um, it's just a whole down-to-earth mm. thing. Talking about learning to
1: meditate, I have to give you a plug. I know you didn't, you weren't, that wasn't what your intention was but it's certainly my intention. Mm. So Nico, um, with his experience and, and understanding and um his resonance with Vedic meditation he is a um a, a practitioner and a, and, a, and a teacher of that so you can where can people find um
0: find that on your your website I uh, have a landing page Nico Plowman N-I-C-H-O, Plowman, P-L-O-W, okay. P-L-O-W-M-A-N, pllowman that's about it um I have a landing page uh, now I don't have social media um um, any longer, but people can um, find me there and send me a little email and just express their level of interest and then we have a conversation and a catch-up and, uh, yeah, I'll, look, I run courses in Sydney mm. and um, – We'll, do, we'll a, do another one in Boro for sure. I'll well, definitely do another one. Now that we can all get going again, I'll, I'll be back mm. down that way. So mm. I've just obviously loved people being in touch with me and we get on the phone, or will have a coffee and it's a um, pretty simple process. But, um, yeah, I'm now – you know, far, you know, sort of getting back into it now that we're all able to. So thank you, And um, Insight Timer, can we throw that out there? Yeah, Insight Timer is a meditation platform, um, which um, my brother Christopher and I, um, we bought five years ago now, and that is a really great tool for people who wish to sort of explore different types of meditation. Um, I think we have nearly 17 million users now. Um, true. So it's a great platform there's probably eight or nine thousand teachers on it i expect so there's a whole there's just a whole world of stuff that people can um you know can enjoy and try out and all that sort of thing so it's sort of a bit of both is what i would call that sort of broader offering for people who are learning to learn more and then of course um if people want to learn a more traditional technique they can get in touch with me or there's plenty of vedic meditation teachers um in all, all over the world um, and they're very easy to find and very accessible, and they're a great group of people. So, mate, we better wrap it up. We should. Um, we should.
1: We talk all day, but uh, no one, no one wants to listen <laughs> to us anymore. Even though it'll go viral, <laughs> mate. Thank you so much. I've Thanks, so Charlie. enjoyed, um, like uh, you know, our, our reconnection and and and, mm. and our, I guess, our mutual need um, desire to reconnect so many other people to the source. Yes. Thanks, Charlie. It's
0: been great. It's good fun.
1: Thanks, mate. Well, there you go, uh, Nico Plowman. Um, one of my favourite people in the world, to be honest. <laughs> Not just not just because he's a cousin and I've known him a long time. I love the way Nico could bring together the worlds of meditation, health and biodynamics, which when you think about it and you um, dive into it are not actually very far apart. But I love his interpretation and his perspective on all, all that. Talking about a cool perspective, next week's episode uh, is with Mick Wettenhall, farmer from Trangy in central New South Wales. I've known Mick for some time now. Um, he's a director at Soil Sea Quest, and he, we talk about all sorts of cool stuff, um, mainly relating to food and, um, more importantly, because that's where it's all from, the soil. And some really cool stuff he's de- been developing for some years now uh, under the banner of Soil Sea Quest. Um, really excited about this one. We had to break it up into two parts, actually, sitting on the veranda there uh, at, at uh, his um, property at Trangi And we just, yeah, we, we just rambled on for long enough to have to bust it in half. Um, into two episodes. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm busting to get that one out next week. I um, hope you enjoy um, next week's episode with Mick Whettenhall.
0: This episode was brought to you by Nature because she wants you to connect and be inspired. So pay her a visit to meditate, breathe your biome and have a lovely day. This podcast
1: is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnott.com.au.